Welcome back to The Gooch, episode 29. Coming to you live, sort of. Ish. Ish. Really. Well, happy yeah. Friday, everybody. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, we, we've got some fucking crazy results coming in. Like, our uh, Sohi videos, like, lots of listens to that. And nice. I just wanted to say thank you for uh, thank you for tuning back in. Yeah. Um, this week, uh, we, we, uh, we wanted to talk to you about animal laws <laughs> and uh, the right to repair. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of different things, but they do have some connections. You know what? We're gonna meld this together somehow. Eventually, robots are gonna take over, and the right to repair is gonna be just as pertinent as uh, animal laws. You know, it's like, can I repair my robot? No. Well, you know what I'd be curious is whether or not, whether or not, like, I mean, we can just jump right into it. But uh, both of them, both like people think that they're not connected; they're directly connected. Both of them are governed by property law. That's exactly it, right? And I would venture that. The way that we're moving, because of our love of ourselves and what we create, we're more likely to grant sentiency to AI uh, than we are to animals. Just (laughs) terrifying to think about, especially since we've uh, we've seen recent reports of that AI bot coming out of uh, was it Saudi Arabia where they were legally Mm -hmm. given humanhood. Uh, or personhood or whatever and then she's now said that she wants to have children but she's too young because she was created in 2016 yeah so she understands that she's too young even though she's not the being that she's trying to emulate or that's the thing like an ai that could understand these things would have just the computing power could you imagine you know, uh, you can't like quite you, literally. You that's our problem. Is uh, we can't uh-huh. imagine the computing and power. I, I don't think we should give these things personhood. I think they should remain under property law, and that's the only way we're going to have them not take over the planet. I think the Um, world needs to take a look at what New Zealand does when they're talking about their personhood laws, because New Zealand is one of the most legally progressive places on the planet. Like, they were one of the first ones to to, uh, legalize weed. They have uh, their their liquor uh, rules are significantly more lenient, which actually they've shown has has uh, resulted in a massive decrease in uh, later stage alcohol dependency. Mm. Um, later stage. Well, yeah, like early adulthood, because normally it's uh, that's when the biggest issues start is mm-hmm. they start in your teens, but they perpetuate through your 20s with club culture and all of that. Yeah. And only get worse but when you when you don't isolate those things as special kids aren't seeking them out as much and therefore Mm. uh they they don't have as much a tendency towards abuse but new zealand the last thing they granted uh, personhood to was actually their fucking uh freshwater river so yeah because they wanted to make sure that it had rights to not be dumped on because it's their freshwater (laughs) it's their source of freshwater so wow. they wanted to prevent corporations from dumping in it. They wanted to make sure that nobody could steal from it. They wanted to make sure like it to to me, that's the way you go to create like a a very strong national backed zone where you know that your government is looking after you because your water is your most important thing. Like it's fucking fifty percent of what I, you need to I live. I definitely agree I that. that we need to control our assets uh much better. Yeah. Yeah. But right. I find it I find Leave it interesting, like like in animal law, like in Canada, we consider ourselves very progressive um, just in general. I mean, it's probably because it's like we're, we're locked next to like a, an absolute moron in the United States. So it's really easy to look mm. good. 
Um, but I don't know, a, but <clears throat> well, an absolute moron, man. On, on, an, on a global scale, half of, our listeners are from this country, man. I'm I not, want those I'm big not, USDs. Come <laughs> on, man. I'm not saying <laughs> the individuals, though. So, like, when I'm talking, when I say the United States, it's the reflection of who you are to the rest of the world. So, not it's not individual basis. There's the you can't stereotype hundreds of millions of people yeah. now, I, as much as those hundreds of millions want to stereotype 1.6 billion Muslims, but. Um, oh, you go in there. You can't, you can't. Well, I'm just saying like <laughs> the individuals don't do it, but they have, they have a culture and a media that really doesn't show them in a good light on a global level. Hmm. So like are the individual, they have some of the smartest individuals on the planet. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but collectively they also have some of the dumbest <laughs> and some of the most dangerous yeah, and so, mo- some of the most incarcerated and well, the most incarcerated by, by a, a lot, right. They yeah. have, they have more incarcerated people than some, than a lot of countries have people. Mm-hmm. So it's true. It's absolutely so true. It's absolutely nuts. But mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, I, I wasn't trying to take a, a direct shot at Americans. I'm saying how you're perceived it. And it's typically because you guys Oh, fuck government works. You ha- you haven't managed to stop gerrymandering. Your politicians are just running rickshaw with you guys. Your fucking your corporations are doing the same. Like, we're, the rest of the world pretty much sees you guys as victims who all chant that you're the best. That's really like I feel bad for most Americans when I when I, when I think about it. Like I don't know how other people mm. view it, but that's how I've 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 always seen them as kind of victims because they they keep. Like, you remember when, like, there was a group of bullies, like, you and I were bullied in high school, Ev. For me, I remember there was this this group of bullies. There was Kurt and Jamie and Paul. And I remember they uh, there was this one kid, this little Greek kid, Spiros. Spiros Horgelakis. That's a great name. Yeah, yeah. He was a nice little guy. Um, really outspoken, significantly smaller than the average person. So typical Greek. Exactly. <laughs> and... And I remember that when the bullies switched and decided to bring him in onto their team, and it was the weirdest thing because basically his dad owned a auto body shop, so he had like money and whatnot, and so he would be buying them stuff all of the time. So when they were with him, they treated him like one of them. But when they were apart, he would still go, yeah, I'm the best. I have all these friends. And they would rip into him. And so I see Americans as Spiros hmm. of this this the, this kid who thinks he's got everything, but the rest of the world is just laugh at him because you're actually just being used. I think like, the reason why they have that ego is because if they wanted to, they could take everything. But and that's what gives them that. But ego. none of the individuals, like could. you said last week, the the guy that goes into Walmart with an AR-15 and he can say whatever he wants and no one can do shit about it. That's the. The reason why they're so boisterous in the world field is because very, very few countries, barring China and maybe Russia, even though they can't operate an aircraft carrier to save their fucking life, runs on potatoes. Swear to God. But the the problem is, when you have all that confidence in military, it erodes the the confidence that you get. Like, I think the most brilliant men to live, to put pen to paper between Aristotle, Voltaire... We're the founding fathers. Well, you know, a couple of them. Anyway, we we went through that the other week. I think that... I'll give you Jefferson, but uh, yeah. Franklin, you know, even though he wasn't, you know. Yeah. 
Sorry, not definitely. Yeah, Franklin would be up there. Ben Franklin was an interesting one, but he was also a slave owner and a rapist and a philandering. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it it's consequence to the times as much as it is as it is the, their horrible decision process back then. Well, I think it also. I, just goes I, I don't, the thing describe. is the reason why I think the states can do that and get away with it is because they have that structured with it is because they have that structured illusion of choice but see this is where i kind of find it interesting is like when you're using the states right now you're also talking about their government the individual but we're all but you're in two breaths also saying they're individuals because that's what you're you're responding to is my comment on their individuals Mm -hmm. their individuals have no military power like themselves they they and so the the confidence they have that they're the best or that they're doing great is it, it itself an illusion and it's almost a sad one because they think that their government represents them that's exactly and it. their it government doesn't, doesn't represent but them. Here's they're not the even thing. fucking close but here's the thing the, the, the <clears throat> on paper that system they've developed is in, in my opinion the most beautiful system but it's been so corrupted it's been so bastardized and yes i will point a finger at capitalism at this one because okay. i know exactly where you're going to go with that <laughs> but I, I i think that capitalism also got corrupted in that exchange as well. So now we don't have a true capitalist system and we don't have a true democracy and we don't have the checks and balances. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing down there. They, they've, they've eroded the, the literal rule book that made them the best country on the planet. They've taken pages out of it. They've perverted it and it, they're, they're paying the consequences. Yeah. You can't play capitalism and you can't play democracy when these businesses are in bed with these guys you know, there needs to be that separation. And yeah. the sooner they understand that, the sooner they can dig themselves out of this shit. Now, I want to kind of bridge that into the right to repair because this is a prime example of government and business doing exactly this. Well, in, in pure capitalism, we shouldn't have business and government together. We shouldn't. And the fact that we're building these shitty electric cars now and government's giving subsidies for them. And we have dealer groups banding together like the mob to keep other, you know, profitable business out. These three things shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have government stepping in and helping out one business while hindering the next. We shouldn't have these electric cars that are built so shitty have all this marketing to say, oh, cool, you got a Tesla. Even though it's one of the most dangerous vehicles to own, one of the most expensive to insure, because they literally start on fire it's for also, no fucking reason. It's also all built on a lie. Like I didn't, I didn't bring this up last week, but I should have. Like I find it funny that everybody associates Elon Musk with Tesla. Mm. He wanted it that way. Mm-hmm. Tesla was started in two thousand and three. He didn't join until end of two thousand and four. He literally wrote himself he, in. Not yet. Not just. Not yeah. just wrote himself in. He sued himself in. He sued the entire board of directors to get him in, and then fired them all. Yeah. He retroactively made himself a founder of a company he didn't found. That's he hasn't exactly done it. anything. Nope. So, but, but yeah, so built into the right to repair aspect, though, which I don't know that it's as much. I think it's actually, it's, uh, I think you're right in turn. I think you're 50% right. And I do think mm-hmm. that the other 50% is the lack of regulations comes from the Republican side of colluding with them and wanting to give them fewer regulations. It's not so, just the Republicans. No, no, no. I'm saying the Democrats on the one side. Mm hmm. And like basically the the lack of regulations in that area can be used to express two things. One, freedom of business 
and two, fucking uh, criminal activity, mm. right? Like, both of them can, uh, can explain it logically. Yeah. And I think that that's why, no matter who you vote in, nothing changes in that realm, because both sides are married to the fucking business sector. Yeah. Right? And it, 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 that's exactly the problem. We give too many protections yeah. to the business sector. Well, and, We and, should let them fail, <clears throat> and when they do something fucky, we should step in and just slap them around. I mean, that's initially what the FBI was made to do. Uh, that's initially... Uh, what the uh, IRS was supposed to do. Yeah. And we've stripped the budget away from those two essential services down there. Yeah. And now businesses just run, do whatever they want. And when they want to move things out of the country, well, what can we do about it? Well, and it's getting Fucking scary tariffs, too. Fucking bitch. Well, it's also, it's getting, it's getting scarier in a legal <laughs> I'm zone. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but like, it's getting scarier in a legal realm because the way that we attribute legal liability to companies mm-hmm. is through proximity. So the proximity between the the result of whatever caused damage mm. and their knowledge base of the, the po- possibility of that causing damage mm. is what's going to cause. And that's interesting. And so the f- the bigger they get, the the less directly responsible they're going to be considered for other things. So an example of that is I think it was 2014. Um, President's Choice had one of their buildings for Joe Fresh collapse, killing over 120 people mm-hmm. in uh, some Middle Eastern country. I don't mean to bro- to to take away from the severity of it by saying some. I just don't remember mm-hmm. which country, but. Um, like the Canadian government had considered pressing charges in Canada against the CEOs here, and they decided not to because of the distance. But to me, you sought extra profits, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only reason you're in the Middle East is you sought extra profits. That all ties logically into a decreased amount of safety procedures, mm-hmm. right? And I know that this will actually link into what Adam wanted to talk about, and so we can briefly touch on it for a second here. But when you overtly sidestep safety precautions, you're directly responsible, which makes me think that the fucking director on the set of Rust is uh, directly responsible for the death of the assistant producer. Uh, You know what? Because when you have... Over a half dozen complaints about safety protocols. You have uh, your your staff who are sleeping in their cars overnight and in, uh, in near freezing temperatures that because they don't have enough time to go back. And then you fire your entire unionized staff and replace them with ununionized workers just, right before just, that just happens. Hang on, you're hang directly on. responsible. Let me let me tell you a story, okay? Uh, a, a woman finds out her husband's cheating on her. Uh, she goes to the bank, takes out two thousand dollars. When the banker asks him what she's doing with the money, they were good friends. She told him that he's she's going to hire a hitman to kill her husband. Yep. Then she goes and hires an assassin, and the husband dies. Yep. Whose fault is it? What do you mean? The death. Well, there'd be three, three people that yeah. could all go to jail. But in your mind? Like, well, I mean, the assassin did the killing, mm-hmm. so he would be at fault. Uh, okay. She did the hiring. She would be at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the knowledge of the provision... Uh, he would be at fault because he wasn't actually providing her money for anything lawful. Now, yeah. she he uh, facilitated it, so it wouldn't be culpable in murder, but potentially for manslaughter. Okay. Yeah. But what about the husband for cheating? No. 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 See, that's this is this is the thing. I mean, you approach it logically. Yeah. You know, most people don't approach these things logically. Well, yeah, but and, I, look, so I'm looking at it not necessarily logically. I'm looking at it through the eyes of like, like if I wanted to Im- apply emotions to it, mm-hmm. would I? Could I say something like, yeah, he had it coming? But that's the thing. That's right? how your brain works. 
And most people, that's not the case. No, fair And that's why I love chatting with you. And when we look at these situations where you have big business taking over all these um, assets to, you know, regulations to, you know, human health and safety, uh, we're running into all these issues. And I think in this Alec Baldwin situation, if you're an actor and it is your job to use prop weapons of any kind, you should at least have some common knowledge on how a weapon works. Now, you know, I, just, I, just... I, I understand where you're going to go. Just let me finish. Okay. I think that the director is absolutely at fault for handing an actor a loaded weapon and telling him it's clear. However, if we actually educated people on how weapons work before they're used... I think that would have maybe mitigated that problem because if Alec Baldwin knew about guns and he's been in several movies with them and he, you know, wanted to work on his skills and be safe with literally a tool designed to kill somebody, you know, if you handed me a gun and said point it and shoot it, it's clear. I'd still check the chamber. I'd still check the bullets. I'd probably just take the bullets out. Oh, they're blanks. Yeah, you know what? That's why you have a sound effects team. Okay. Well, yeah, they've now, there's now directors and producers who have come out and said that they're not going to use blanks. But I'm going to make three points, or two points rather. So there, there were three previous reports of misfires on the set. Mm-hmm. So we already knew that there was an issue. But we'll take a step before that. So definitely there's a responsibility from a standpoint of like you should have knowledge before you use something. The reason sure. why I asked you that story yep. is because it, it's, it's almost identical in this regard because a lot of people on media right now are trying to blame one sole person and that doesn't work it, it is a collective issue the fact the director there had was these no issues. one who wanted anyone de- dead exactly well no 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 but in your story there were two people that that well there was one person who uh, who wanted someone dead and one person who knew in this case at least theoretically, like we have no guaranteed proof. There could have been some some really dirty business going on here, but I don't know that. Who we loaded the box of suggest- shells that said blanks? Who loaded the firearm? Who gave the firearm to the director? Why did the director have all these oh, issues? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the, the, the well, group the director issue. had all the issues because he canned all of his fucking ununionized workers uh, or his unionized workers, and then hired him with ununionized ones, and he didn't actually take any safety precautions because he, it was a budgetary issue. But I think that's where I'm kind of curious. So the one the part I'm I'm I'll, I'll ask you kind of a similar story then. So um, minimum wage worker gets hired to work in a warehouse and first day on the job, the employer tells him to jump on the forklift and go and move some shit around and he drops $20,000 worth of product. Uh, is that guy responsible? Was the worker trained how to use the item? Exactly. So whose responsibility is it to train the worker? The employer. Exactly. So it would still be the producer's fault for not training the actor who's using the weapon. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. we have to take, like, the responsibility has to go to the people at the top all the time. We have to stop putting the responsibility on the people at the bottom because it's absolutely insane. And we, yeah. we, we no, keep I seeing understand that, from- that. And, you know, the worker could also say, I don't know how to use that. Oh, 100%. 100%. There's uh, that I right mean, to most, refuse most unsafe workers work. Workers won't use that. And that's the right? problem. Well, but and this is why re- I said, if you look at this logically, into, that's baked into culture, though. So, like, in the United uh, famously was like General General Motors hotbed um, up until like the the late nineties, uh, early two thousands when everything switched over. Lee yeah. was like General General Motors hotbed um, up until like the the late nineties, uh, early two thousands when everything switched over. Yeah. So what happened was is there was a lot of uh, um, big manufacturing uh, warehouses 
um, that were available there for inexpensive. And so Toyota went and bought one. And part of the deal with when they were buying the factory was that they were going to actually uh, attempt to rehire a good portion of the previous staff. Hmm. They did that. And what they found was their quality control dropped off the face of the earth. So one of the things that Toronto or Toronto Toyota does when on their production line that's different than anyone else they have is the that stop button. they have the stop button yeah. exactly. So they stop it if there's any faults. Americans were so afraid because their their former bosses had told them it was 150 grand for every 15 minutes that the the line is stopped that they can't stop it, and Toyota could not tell them like they you could not convince them that it was better for the company to stop them. And so what they actually had to do was shame them for not stopping the line. They actually had to impose reverse shame on Mm. these American workers because they had been so ingrained into their culture to save their bosses money in the short term as opposed to the long term. And that was kind of what we were talking about last week on that short term ideology that the U.S. has versus long term ideology that countries like Japan has or China has, which I know that you you envy Japan's uh, tech sector and economy, Absolutely. right? When I was talking about legacy companies off air, that's what I'm I'm talking about mm-hmm. is they have this long term vision. They're not looking well, for short term gains also, right away. I mean they, you you long term vision. They're not looking for well, short term gains right also, away. Also I mean they, you you had to when you were centuries. America kinda helped rebuild the whole place. Well, yeah, there was a little bit of guilt. I mean, there's there a little bit of guilt. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like Germany. It's but like, then again, pre, you know, pre-U.S., though, Japan was taking on the world, right? You got to remember, they like, were? Japanese warriors were fucking nuts, mm-hmm. right? Like, they were some of the best on the planet. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and hand-to-hand, like, it's, I mean, you can go and watch the, the ancient warrior battles that they had on uh, the History Network. Oh, so. yes. But, so cool. <laughs> like, different weapons and different styles of different fighters. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. But, yeah. But yeah, anyways, like, uh, I find it, I find, I think it's actually the culture that plays into it when it comes to employer, employees not wanting to, to go, hey, I don't feel comfortable with this. And I don't think it's on the employees. The employers have to make it more comfortable. They have to make it explicit yeah. that you have to do this. I and, completely agree. And I think that that's something they don't want to do because if you're the manager, you have to play that that bullshit line where you're definitely, and we both know this because we're both managers, you're basically employed by the top, so you're supposed to do everything for them, but you're, the people you interact with, for the most part, are beneath you. And so that's where your friends and your colleagues are. And so the, you have this weird dynamic where you basically have to fuck your friends and colleagues for someone that you actually don't care about because the one you don't care about is who you're actually working for, right? So it's managers have a shitty job most of the time it's why management positions are normally so fucking stressed and also management doesn't get any training right like management normally gets plucked out of the fucking base level Hmm. and ceos know how to manage like everything from ten thousand feet but and and then workers know how to manage everything five feet in front of them and the managers have to be able to look up ten thousand feet and look down to the five feet below and there's nobody to train that so it's just like it's an uncomfortable situation that's but that's that's why i love businesses that reward people that do well in those positions yeah because usually like you said uh you can tie this to the military or you know business trading especially sales you get a good guy on the floor uh you know he's making a lot of money soon he's approaching that 30 grand a month zone yeah and that's usually where you'll get bumped up and they'll play to your ego a bit. They'll be like, hey, man, you're going to run a crew. You just teach them how to do what you did. And you'll be making stacks. Yeah. Thing is, you go from making, you know, 25 to 40% 
front end gross yeah. to making, you know, anywhere from 1% at a really busy store to 7% of the pot front and back. Yeah. And when you're just looking after yourself, it's easy. Yeah. You know, you, you know what to do. You know how to do it right. You're accountable to your own actions. As soon as they move you to management, you got to teach people to do that. Yeah. And that's the hard part because you know what it takes. Well, and also, that's that's where like for me in the position I'm in because Stan's done my job for fucking years. Yeah. He he was an amazing fucking sales manager. And uh it, it's funny because I still snap back to that individual mindset because I was a sales guy so long and he'll find a, he'll fucking slap me inside the head and hey, it's a we thing. It's a team thing. Yeah. You, you can't think like that anymore. Yeah. You know, you got to, that's, that's the hard part. But it's also, it's, it's even more than that because your style might not be useful to export to everyone, Mm -hmm. right? Because you filled a gap at the stores where you were working. You were the boisterous big guy, but there's a role to play for the quiet person who is a little bit more low key, a little bit lower energy. It's very true. There is a role to play for the the woman who's a little bit more seductive. Not necessarily a woman, but somebody who plays off of to the more friendly, the buddy buddy kind of thing. No. Which you were a buddy buddy, but you're a little bit like five feet above buddy buddy kind of. Like I still need that control, mm. um, at least in my time working with you there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so like it, the reason why it's interesting. So like again like i'm i'm also training people on sales is if there were 10 of me in a store nobody wants to be in that store that's far too fucking loud mm. so we need we need different styles so i yeah. actually encourage people to play within their own style what i say is i'm like if you hit a bump you got to give me the scenario and we'll play through it we'll we'll play through the scenario because i want to give you real time tools i don't want to give you fucking broad strokes broad strokes don't help anybody right mm. but kind of bringing it back to the to the right to repair thing is when you're when you're a manufacturer they're also trying to do this kind of end goal of playing in between two things right of giving the end user something they want but giving their as an engineer giving their company as many profits as possible and so this is what they end up doing is they end up making it so that yeah you have a high powered battery that's fully replaceable but let's glue it into the housing so that it's almost impossible to take it out (laughs) right they they do this on a regular basis. Yeah, this uh, we have the one of the most high functioning tractors to have ever been built. But if you and, and it's super easy to fix, the, there's schematics uh, uh, available online. But if you publish those schematics on a website that's not free to access or that's free to access, or if you try to open up that the and and work on it yourself, we're going to set off an alarm inside, right? Like like th- that's John Deere, by the way. Mm-hmm. So the way that these see. If I was an auto manufacturer now, yeah, and I, 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 if I had a crystal ball, I see where this is going. Yeah. Ten years down the road, all these cars are going to be electric, or most of them, and they're going to last two, three years maybe, and then it's just going to be junkyard new car. Yeah. And that's what they want you to do, because three years, you're just starting to tap into the equity of the vehicle. You've paid off all the interest. The bank's happy, most of it anyway, and you still have negative equity. Right, so they can get you into another one, and then you're locked. You're you're welded to that car. You're not getting out of that. Yeah. Most people that do this that don't understand what they're doing to themselves, it's tragic because you have a vehicle you owe twenty grand on. The dealership's giving you three. Yeah. Seventeen grand's getting added to your next car. Yeah. And you're paying interest on that. Yep. Because no bank's going to buy you zero percent with that much negative equity. No, exactly. So. 
I we see that so much in luxury but, cars too. But like the, the two, worst one was those fucking X fives that kept hitting our lot when yeah. I was there. There was two or three of them in three months that had broken X timing chains within and like fives. Yeah, within always. within fucking nine months mm-hmm. of their warranty being going, and it's a timing chain. Yeah, when they were snapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's fucking designed timing to do that. Belts go longer. It's designed to do well, of that. Of course it is. And the the that's the problem. I, I if I had a crystal ball, the guy that's going to make the most efficiently. Like, here's the thing. The world of technology, you could have an app on your phone and you could have the entire owner's manual on there, how to take the fucking car apart, lock tail nuts, everything. You could make a car that you could take apart with probably two or three fucking tools. You know, a 10 mil. And here's the thing. This is where manufacturers don't fucking think and they need to start. You make your tools customized to your brand. So you want to work on this? You got to get the special toolkit. But Kia for scanning, like I know but, that's a huge issue. But you know, a lot of those are ten mil. A lot of those come apart with normal tools. You switch a ten mil, you add a few things to it, keep it the same, and then you have to sell the store, uh, sell the, the repair kits. But here's the thing: all the parts are cheap, and you make it super easy to fix. So it's an easy upcharge. Oh, by the way, uh, you know your regular tools won't work on this. So you got to get this. But on your fucking app, they have a video on how to replace everything. How so to fix everything, let, and they make it they, super simple to fix. So let's say they do it where they get like a a five hundred percent margin, right? Mm-hmm. Like a stupid margin, or or rather, sorry, a, a five hundred percent profit uh, over top of what their their production costs, or something even better than that. Let's say like their profit margin, like it costs them a dollar to produce these tools, and they sell them for a hundred bucks a pop. Yeah, I think that's like that's probably the the best you can expect. It's better than the cosmetic industry. Well, you know, the honestly, problem, you could the problem probably... comes down to how much money they make off those tools so let's say there's 10 tools you need to buy that's a thousand dollars right there and yeah mm-hmm. it only cost them 10 bucks to make them yeah. right they made a fuckload of money 900 dollars right off of that to make it so that you got your tools but they just saved you 30 g's in the next five years but that's the thing they need want to start, that 30 g's but that's, they, that's so short-sighted of course it is and but that's what they consider to be efficient is efficiently not, getting as much money as possible and that's now. the thing uh, what, what we're doing is we're we're digging through our resources we're fucking polluting the shit out of the planet yeah. and it's it's not it's not sustainable yeah. i mean we need the, the manufacturers to make these more sustainable like the, the, the age of technology your fucking app about your car should show you how to take everything apart tip to tail light yeah. and fucking replace it fix it what part numbers there are you could order all the parts off the app oh and then you got a video on how to fix it but but it's just no. You got to take it to the dealership to do that. And sure, if you don't have the time, that would be a great thing to do. You know, get, drop it off, do that. Yeah. But instead of taking fucking six hours to do a transfer case, or you know, five hours to do a fucking transmission job, make them so it takes thirty minutes. Whiz bang done. Here's your car back. Yeah, we replace this, this, and this rather than. But I mean, oh, we had to buy this whole new part in Canada. Oh, well, I know in, exactly in how it works. In general, right? Like the dealers I, themselves tend I'm to not make that, money off of sales. No, right? I, they make I them understand. Almost exclusively off warranty. I understand. Is, I understand exactly how it works. But I'm just saying, if someone came out and did that now, yeah. If someone came out and made a car that'll last twenty years. And it's possible. We have the fucking resources. We have the know-how. Oh, yeah. We can make an engine that you can slide out on a track. Yep. They put them on buses back in the day. Yep. You pull it right out of the front end of your car, you can work on it. You don't even need a fucking workbench. Yep. You pull it out, oh, boom, oil filter right there. You can drain the oil. You can press a button we and have the fucking bolt come out. Make it magnetic. You can make it a mandatory part of shop class in all high schools, which is already a part of a of, of shop class to yeah. learn about engines. And, and I'm so not saying make it like a lot of, 
I'm not saying make it a piece of shit. Well, you could make it a piece of shit. It could be your socialist option, right? Uh, of I, like you buy from nation <laughs> and nation give back to you. Well, I, but I, like, I don't know, man. For the people. I, I just think that if we keep going on this polluted way of the unibody shitty cars that last three years, like where are we getting all this metal from, man? Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Like, we build a car for it to last three years and get melted and then make another fucking car? What a waste. That yeah. makes no sense. But this is this is what they're doing. So this is why I've, I've called this game endgame capitalism, right? Because, like, you... like it's, I, I'd call it an most, endgame oligarchy, but... Well, okay. yeah, but, but I think it's it's endgame capitalism in the sense that, like, on the ideal... It's perverted sense, capitalism. Well, yeah, but we touched on this last week. Like, capitalism will always pervert itself unless you can get rid of corrupt Soul people. Soul socialism. No, that's not the case. Um, socialism can't, wouldn't start be able to be as effective without a capitalist base, mm. which we are now. We have now built up. Mm. Like, I, like, I've been thinking about a board game of, like, you start from shit in the desert. Yeah, capitalism's way better. Ca- like, okay. well, actually, first of all, communism. You need everybody to get together and actually start working together. Once people start working together, because you have everybody living together and things are starting to get more efficient, then capitalism starts to expand that betterment for everybody. But once capitalism starts to the point of automation, that's when socialism is better because the automation can then give back to the people and you're no longer draining units of energy off of people to get stuff done. You're doing it off of uh, automatic processes, so machinery and whatnot. Mm. And so it's actually a life cycle. And you actually just have to to switch systems when it becomes logical and efficient to do so. And the problem is, is we've made ourselves efficient, but we haven't made ourselves um, resilient. True. Right. Agree and I think that. that capitalism's goal works in opposition to human nature in that sense is that efficiency has to be capitalism's goal. Right. It, mm-hmm. uh, it always is. And if, if you just think of it as building a house, the most efficient structure to build a house or the fastest way to build a house would be to use whatever is around you with absolutely doing nothing to shapeshift it at all, right? Grabbing leaves, sticks, and whatever and build your own, own little hut. But it won't be resilient to anything, mm. right? And so every time you make your house more sturdy, you have to sacrifice efficiency. So the sturdier the house, the less efficient you are. So you're actually battling capitalist ideals in order to create better resilient systems overall. Hmm. And so you need both to work in tandem. And I think that that's, that's where we have to move. But why I call it endgame is like in the, like the early stages of capitalism, roughly 80% of the population can buy stuff. They can participate in the game, right? But as people become more and more economically depressed, and like we both work in what I would consider to be pseudo luxury, right? Cars aren't luxury per se, but getting a new car is pretty luxurious. Mm-hmm. And I work in high end sports where, again, not exactly luxury because sports and recreation are both important for health, like just in general. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will go into it. Um, for health reasons but then there's that competitive vanity side of where you need the best of the best and so there's like a middle ground where we're both kind of touching on luxury stuff that people don't need Mm. right and what i found is i'm seeing the same thing that you're seeing in cars in hockey equipment for example Mm -hmm. so the products now are being made to break significantly faster while the prices are going up and the reason is the pool of amount of people that they can sell those high-end products to are shrinking, mm. right? And so what they need to do is not sell more of the, or, or sell to more people. That's no longer the goal. Now it's to hit those same people, but sell more of the product, 
Mm. And so they have to then cycle through it. And so now it used to be um, quality was the word that they wanted to associate with their product. Now performance is the word that they are trying to associate. And you hear that with high performance vehicles all the time. Mm-hmm. So performance mm. is a is a fucking tactic, right? Mm-hmm. Because if it performs well, it doesn't have to last long. You didn't get it for longevity, right? Just like um, it used to be cheap people would go to ikea because it was look right mm-hmm. but now all products are cheaply made like ikea right all of them yeah which means that you can just shop on look there's no more quality yeah right they took quality off the market that's the first like that to me was the fucking doom and gloom and like the sign that we have hit our last stage of shit the system recognizes there's not a lot of people left to sell to and they're going to short-term gain everyone and that's, hmm. I think that we're starting to see that because you're going to see it in luxury food items too, right? And I think we've already seen that, yeah, right? I'd High-end agree. alcohols, you're going to start seeing that as well. But luxury <clears throat> items are going to be the first pot where you start he- seeing some massive hits. And it's because the system can still milk those people. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones with anything left. That makes sense. So I think that with tech and ai and kind of bringing it back like we haven't even touched on animal law um which was like a passion of mine for how about we do a special yeah we'll cut this we'll do another one take a little break okay yeah so let's let's wrap this up uh with a bow (laughs) a little bit then on the tech side so when it comes to ai and tech there's it we have to kind of take the good and the bad and we have to be willing to walk away from a shitty deal on the table. And right now, I think we have a shitty deal with our technology. They own the software, like all the companies own the software. Um, uh, They're colluding with governments uh, in order to avoid specific taxation and regulation. Um, They are imposing on our mental health on a regular basis. The amount of terrorism that happens on these social media apps by way of advertising, of fear-mongering through these advertising and directly to children, which, by the way, if tobacco companies have to make it so that all of their advertisements are hidden behind counters, which, yes, for our American listeners, that is the case in Canada, and there can be no advertisements for any tobacco products below the six-foot level in any store because, again, they don't want to... They used to be marketing directly to children. They're not allowed to anymore. But if we recognize that advertising directly towards children is not a good thing, then we need to see some change in technology to... uh, away from a reliance on it, away from a dependence on it, and towards um, a more harmonious approach, I would say, where we use it to better certain things, but we recognize its fucking downfalls, which socially, there are so many downfalls with technology, you can't count them all, Mm. right? You know, I I completely agree with you there. I mean, I think we should definitely uh, safeguard uh, what it is to be human um and not not just what it means to believe in what you believe i mean literally what it means to exist yeah and what does it take to exist well, well I, we can debate on that but yeah. i i think that if we really kind of struck a match and had to finish the conversation before it burned out it would be resources it would be childhood and it would be uh elder care and, you know, we can lump into really any conversation from there, but the people that can't produce in the system that are about to, yep. you know, the resources for the people who are working yep. and the support for the elders who are done working in the system. Yeah. 
And, you know, whether you can or can't is up to, you know, your health and safety. And obviously you want to protect the people that have the disabilities. I just think that the way the world's moving now, we're painting the fucking picture like we are. We can talk a big game about how we have all these charities and how we have all this help and all this religion and all this support and all this faith and hope, but it's all bullshit. The reason why the media only focuses on what's negative is because it is all negative. You know, there, there, there are no good news stories about people going out and actually building things that make sense and fucking doing shit that works because we'd hear about it. You'd be a fucking trendsetter. And this is why I'm saying I'm fucking appealing here. I'm saying we need to start making things that last long instead of things that are comfortable. We can forego having the fucking whale foreskin fucking cover on our seats (laughs) and it exists. You can get whale foreskin on a fucking, uh, I think Rolls Royce does it. And then there's a fucking luxury Russian brand and it doesn't make sense. Why in the fuck do some people get that option and the rest of us have to deal with the shit that's just breaking constantly now? Well, I mean, and I, I, don't I know want, I'm not I'm not I advocating don't. for increased use of whale foreskin, but who is? <laughs> well, it sounded like you were a little <laughs> bit. You're like, hey, why do they get whale foreskin and I got to deal with this nylon? Shit? Well, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, why is this? The, why is that the end game? Like, I thought it was I'm going to buy the thing that's going to last me the longest and the best. I'm going to put my money in the hands of the guy that's going to give me the quality product. Does the headrest not come down all the way. I <laughs> No, you got to rub it, and then it's uh, then it's a whole armchair, you know. Is it extra sensitive? Like, I don't oh, know, man. man. Apparently, it's waterproof though. So, uh, like, uh, yeah, a no, more dirty. Uh, give me a minute. You, you guys are still on this whale foreskin thing, eh? Oh no, I just I I find it. I, I I get I get where you're coming from. I think I think it's we need to move away from this idea of luxury. Like luxury items are only valuable. It is inspired when by the original Playboy, Aristotle. Yacht Christina O. Oh, to call uh, anything associated with a fucking ancient Greek philosopher, like, no, no. <laughs> the Darts Prombon Meccano Red Diamond Edition Armored Car is built by the same company that uh, created cars for Tsar Nicholas and Vladimir Lenin. Uh, the one million pound SUV uh, is based on the Darts Combat Model, a Russian response uh, to the Hummer. Uh, and this holy shit, yeah, you can uh, you can spend all the dough and get the whale foreskin uh, and have a V8 with uh, 536 horsepower. And this is why I just I look at this and uh, like look at this fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. you know what's crazy is most of those are made at a loss. Was uh, made at a loss, as in sold on a, at a loss, because the development costs were so high, oh, and I believe the pool it. of people that can yeah. buy them is so low that they're actually just they're just vanity projects, mm-hmm. right? I find it so interesting. The vanity projects are not about making things fucking last forever. They're all about making things uh, very short term cool. Oh, I think that car will last yeah. forever. There'll oh, be one of those around when the dinosaurs come back. But think? that's the thing. Like, what the fuck? Why can't we make vehicles work? Like, you look back to the 60s, the guys used to care. Can I take the engine apart myself? Oh, no. That's why Mercedes didn't do so well. They were seen as expensive. They were seen as, you know, issues. But the truth was, back then, Mercedes, their product was probably the best. 
Yeah. They they made it quality. You can still see '80s Mercedes kicking yeah, around. Yeah, my buddy still yeah. has like a 1982. Because they turbo built them diesel. right. They they yeah. weren't doing this planned obsolescence bullshit. And honestly, this is where regulation should come in. Yeah. This is where government should step in and say, "How long does this product last?" Like yeah. they did with cell phones. Fuck. The How long does this product should... last? Why why are we financing fucking cell phones for five years? Why it's would a audacious. why would a government see? like finance a, a vehicle for longer than a company will warranty it. That's the part that I don't understand. Boom. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, right? Yeah. To me, if, if the only regulation you need right now is the government stepping in and imposing warranties. Could you imagine if, the, <laughs> if we actually said like, okay, any good that costs above this percentage of the average Canadian household income has to have the X warranty? Mm-hmm. Oh, we would see an overnight shift, especially in cell phones. Oh fuck! Cell phones would instantly become. Yeah. Well, no, they re- they they did that with cell phones. They you you used to be able to get a five year plan on a fucking. Oh cell yeah, phone. yeah, I know. And then the government was like, no, yeah, cell but phones they break. Still collude with these companies. That was actually and that's the problem. Like, so what the public heard during so I was in law school. Well, that happened. So mm-hmm. what the public heard was, oh my god, yay, we have two year contracts. What they didn't see was in the background. There was actually cases moving forward to to get our cell phones brought brought down, but that was a lateral move by the government to shut those cases up. Hmm. So they actually wanted to give just enough to the people to make them go away so that they weren't paying attention to the But you know what? On. As long as it's just enough and it's a little every day. Yeah. And the well, fact is keep... we're, we're off the we're off the fucking gas pedal and we got to keep these people accountable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So yeah, I think we'll we we can wrap up our tech thing a little bit of a uh, little bit of fear on there, but nothing too crazy. And mm. uh, yeah, we'll we'll pump out a Wednesday special for some animal law stuff. Hundred percent, awesome guys. Well, hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next week. 